Hey, and welcome. Please enjoy the following interview, and you can also find additional content and articles at medium.com slash film critique. Thanks again, and enjoy. Okay, so City of Lies. Um, I just watched this, and um, I was talking to David. I, I found this really, really fascinating. So uh, uh, how, how did it come about making this movie? I read the book many years ago. It was given to me by my dear friend, Don Sikorsky. He's a wonderful investigative journalist who I've known from my early years playing college basketball. And uh, it was something that I always wanted to make. And unfortunately, everybody and their mother had the rights to it. I couldn't get the, I couldn't get a hold of it. Um, big studios, major movie stars. Um, there were financial reasons when it became available for a minute. Somebody else grabbed it. So I, I just stayed with it through the years. Um, and then one thing led to another where the rights became available and uh, we were able to get in there. Okay. Okay. Now, um, one of the things that I found, uh, found really fascinating, like when this happened, I was, I was pretty young. So there was a lot of information that I didn't know about. Um, can you tell me uh, a little bit about Poole and, and how he kind of stayed with this over the years? So Randall Sullivan started on this journey by, he was given an article to write, Randall Sullivan is the original author of the Labyrinth book. Mm -hmm. And he was given an assignment by Rolling Stone magazine. He was a very prominent writer for Rolling Stone to do some work on, I believe the Rampart scandal um, in Los Angeles. It was through that due diligence on that article that he, it led him to the, the murder of Christopher Wallace uh, mm -hmm. in his research or investigation, so to speak, from a journalist perspective on that, as he got deeper down the rabbit hole, it led him to Russ Poole. Russ Poole was known as this disgraced officer who was pushed out of the Los Angeles Police Department. And Randall Sullivan and Russ Poole built a very close relationship. And what Randall quickly realized was the fact that he was known as a disgraced officer was in actuality a disgrace because his work had been impeccable his record had been impeccable. He was from uh, a family of, his father was a police officer and he took tremendous, tremendous pride in upholding the code and responsibility associated with becoming an officer and what it meant to protect and serve the people. So to think that he had been pushed out of the force was not, made no sense to Randall Sullivan, but Russ Poole made sure to communicate to him in detail everything under the sun that had transpired. And Randall, you know, took on this wonderful responsibility of telling the story of Russell Poole and this man of wonderful integrity. I mean, we should only wish and hope we have police officers like Russ Poole. I mean, let's be, let's be uh, frank. <laughs> and, and, and the reality is, is that, um, the institutions, in this instance, the city of Los Angeles and the Los Angeles Police Department. Um, and again, you know, the, the deep corruption and cover up that went on is, you know, due to financial implications of how it would, as it states in the movie, bankrupt the city. So uh, 
rather than integrity and the things that should really drive these institutions, um, you know, corruption and greed really have been paramount. And uh, at the center of it was one man who got crushed by the system. And that, that's Russ Poole's very inspiring story because he held true to himself, but a very sad story of how it ended. Right, right. Definitely um, was, was very sad. Now, with, um, with Johnny Depp and Forrest Whitaker, they did such an amazing job in this movie. Now, how, how did they get involved with the project? Having had the opportunity and been blessed to have made movies before, I understood clearly there's a marriage between art and commerce. So I feel the opportunity for me to be speaking today about this film probably has a lot to do with more than people realize, conscious or not, with having two heavyweights like Adep and Whitaker in the film. Um, creatively, I don't think you're going to get better actors, so to speak, than Adep or Whitaker. So in actuality, Johnny was my first and only choice for the role of Russ Poole. Um, Forrest ended up being a very natural fit. They had a prior relationship from Platoon years ago. You know, Forrest Whitaker is just an incredible, brilliant actor. It all made sense. But always, foundationally, I strategically, on the commerce side, knew that I needed to make a movie and get a really important story out to the world. And there was no better way than to use these two men as vessels and Trojan horse the messaging through them into the world. And I, that, that was sort of the marriage in my head of like, well, you take this story, mostly about Biggie, but obviously there's an element of Pac, and you marry it to a Johnny Depp and Forrest Whitaker and let them carry it to the world. People are going to, you know, have to hear the messaging and get it because people are going to sign up to watch films of these people. So that was always in the larger theory of how to get this into the world. Because for me, what's different about the film is, is just again, from a personal perspective is this film is much bigger than me because this film is about the messaging at the center of it. Miss Wallace is a living, breathing woman who lost her at a point living, breathing son. And we lose sight of that because to us, it's like Biggie, you know, it's like he's this icon, but he's a real and was a real living human being. And a black man who, you know, lost his life at the hands of the Los Angeles Police Department. So um, these are um, incendiary things that um, I wanted to work to bring out into the world. So, you know, people could fight for justice, but also so they had a larger resonance towards what's going on you know, with social justice today and Black Lives Matter and, and, you know, all of my friends and people that I associate, whether they're friends or not, who are black or brown and, and they're okay. dealing with things. Okay, uh, and she's, she's also in the movie, correct? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that was a really big thing for me. I had zero interest in exploiting Christopher Wallace, especially the murder of him um, I was immensely sensitive to humanizing him and Pac in the movie, which is why there's a moment of silence for Pac, which is why I use their real imagery, which is why I tried to take a very impressionistic approach with how we shot the gentleman who sort of was, you know, uh, representing Biggie, because it's not an actor yeah. playing Biggie in my mind. He was representing him. Um, it's why Miss Wallace's story of the clock of life is over 
the tragic walk to Biggie's end. Um, but I, I, I needed her and wanted her deeply to be in the film so that we could humanize her son and, 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 and really ground the movie in truth and reality. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I feel like it definitely uh, does that. One of, one of the things that I found um, really like just fascinating was the fact that during his investigation, he uncovers all of this stuff. Now, um, I'm not sure, I don't wanna give too much away because it's one of those things where it's historical, but at the same time, I, I think there are a lot of people that still don't know um, all of the story or a lot of the, the uh, information behind it. But one of the things that was fascinating was the part with uh, Rampart. Now, can you um, talk a bit about that? Um, my exposure to Rampart, similar to many people, was that it was this incredibly, you know, sort of black uh, mark on the police department of this corrupt group of people within the within the department. Um, mm. The fact that my and this is again, I'm, I'm happy with how I sort of shared the story with you. The fact that it all started with Randall Sullivan and a Rolling Stone article, and obviously really started with Russ Poole. It was fascinating because what Randall was able to figure out was, as it states clearly in the movie, it was all this massive diversion to look away from the murder of Christopher Wallace. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's incredibly fabricated by, by Rafael Perez and the police department and um, certain individuals within the department. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, um, in 2018, the movie was supposed to come out originally, but there were a lot of delays so so what happened with that well, i think this is the movie the lapd doesn't want you to see Would, could, yeah. we at least, <laughs> could, could we agree on that one yes, yes. <laughs> so uh i i think it starts there um the impact upon the city of los angeles would equally be tremendous as well as um there were very bizarre things that happened to this movie that i have never been able to properly quantify um, the failure of the first distributor, unfortunately, as they were quote unquote going under, the new distributor going bankrupt, the movie oddly sitting at a bank, and I mean, very bizarre things, um, <clears throat> very bizarre things. So uh, all collectively, a lot inexplicable, to be frank. Um, but I had a lot of, I don't know, call it evidence or people contacting me, um, you know, about, I had a few very close people working in the Los Angeles Police Department who had, you know, before I made the movie, warned me, after I made the movie, expressed to me what the sentiments within the department were and what was going on. Um, and it was astonishing to me. Um, astonishing. I mean, it's not astonishing from the perspective of the, what, where the city financially, the hit that they would take, but, um, I don't know. We all, I, I feel we all have a responsibility to be personally accountable in this world. And if the individuals within these large institutions that we rely on can't hold themselves personally accountable or those that work side by side with them, we're in real trouble. And this is an example of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, one of the things I just didn't know that they even let uh, police officers do the kind of 
like work that they were doing in the movie. Um, you mean like, the off-duty work? Yeah, yeah. Like I know they can do like off-duty security for certain things, but I don't know. I found I found some of that quite strange. Is that oh, like I mean, thing? These all tons of officers, even to this day, are moonlighting at other jobs to make more money. It's uh, that's it's from my understanding fairly common practice. Um, I guess it's just a question of do you have integrity as an individual, and um, right. what are you what are you doing moonlighting? You know, if you're providing security for someone, and you know you're a responsible individual, and you're not breaking the law, and you're upholding the law, then I guess in theory that should be okay. Or you know, let let's properly you know make sure that the people who are having these jobs are paid. But I mean, you know, you've got like defund the police movements going on. So this is a right. It is an incredibly controversial time, you know, um, and, and it is one bad apple spoils the bunch, right? I mean, is, is it not? Right. Um, I mean, you look at, we're in the midst of this trial right now. I mean, uh, mm. you, you finally have police officers speaking their truths, you know, against another police officer. And I mean, you know, the George Floyd stuff, just unimaginable. The imagery of, of that is just, it's horrifying. Yeah. It um, is. And, and um, another a young black man, 20 years old, was just shot. While yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that. I saw people. Yeah, I mean, so this is a, this problem is, it's, it, this, it's just tragic and horrible. And if something like this could happen, this was just a theory I've always had, if something like this could happen to Christopher Wallace, one of the greatest icons you know, in the universe, right? I mean, this guy's an international megastar. Yeah. If, if this could happen to him, it could happen to anyone. Um, and that that's why I felt the movie was important beyond the investigation of Christopher's murder. Okay. Okay. Now, um, what are what are some other things that you would like people to know about this movie? It's interesting. I've been criticized for this a little bit, but I feel that I understand the notion of movies being escapism. Mm -hmm. I understand the notion of, especially in a global pandemic, things are hard and we're looking to escape into things. But I made this movie because movies are almost more popular and universal than books are today. People from an educational standpoint, you'll probably find more people who are, you know, apt to go watch a movie than read a book. Um, so as a result, I, I felt there was an opportunity and a responsibility to grow, learn and evolve through the telling of this story. And, you know, just coming full circle back to what I was saying a moment ago, if this could happen to Christopher, it could happen to anyone. So to make a movie that I was able to Trojan horse the messaging through these movie stars and get it into the world and, and have people contact me and say, I didn't know this, or what can we do to help? Or how can we fix this? These kind of things. I think that's where this movie is significant. I, it's hard for me because I can never control in making a movie, whether somebody likes it or doesn't like it. So right. one of the interesting things that I've seen is like, you know, um, we're very split with the reviewers. Mm -hmm. And for me, one of the 
you know, there's a lot of talk now about the responsibility that white people have and white privilege. And, you know, it's, if you're not saying anything, then you're complicit. Um, you're not supporting. And when I see, and it's something that came up in a recent interview, when I see certain things being said about the movie, what comes to mind is a saying from one of the actors in our movie, this, this wonderful young man, Dominic Columbus is like, are you paying attention? Are you paying attention? Which is like, so wait a second. Um, something with Johnny Depp's personal life is more important than the murder of this young black man. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I'm sorry, are you paying attention? Like, if you don't like the movie, you don't like the movie. But like, that's fine. But what about at least say, I don't like the movie, but this is important. Every, every human being of any race should see this film because it's yeah. important. And right. I think that for me is what I was going for in the messaging of the film that I wanted. I felt that a deep responsibility, not only to Miss Wallace, but to the world to tell this story because the story was important. I don't think we're making enough movies and telling stories in such a universal medium that are important. So as a result of that, look, I understand how hard change is, right? There's, I'm not thinking naively we're gonna make a move, but if it ignites a conversation, if it, if it ignites some kind of spark, if it unifies, um, on, then, then that's important. So for me, I, I, I'm fascinated with people's inability to pay attention because they are jaded or you know, they have truthfully racism inside themselves that they're not even consciously right. aware of. Um, I mean, that's, that's sort of my feeling. Um, so, uh, I mean, I gave you a lot of thoughts, but I think- No, no, I, I, I was going to say, um, I feel like, you know, in some cases that might be an issue where it kind of can overshadow the work, but I feel like in this case in particular, I mean, if, if you've been following some of it or, or seen a lot of it in the media, a lot, it's, it's largely been disproven as far as I've seen. Um, so, you know, I know that some people still have feelings about it, but. What, what are you, sorry. With Johnny Depp, with the, the issues, um, you know, the personal issues that, that you mentioned. That yeah, no, I mean, look, it's, I, I don't disagree, but then, you know, obviously there was some stuff he was dealing with more recently with his case and that stuff all continues. But I, I, I personally love Johnny. Um, I think Johnny is a gem amongst gems. Um, I know him personally, so I could speak to him in that manner. Uh, he, he, he's a quality, quality human being. Um, but, but that aside, um, it's even bigger than, than that. I, I, I don't, again, like I said, that's like one facet of the insanity surrounding things that I feel that you could discuss with respect to this movie. Um, it does seem to be a bit of a, a distraction given everything that we're seeing right now with, um, with police brutality in the news and all of this going on and the fact that this movie focuses on the fact that, like you said, this can happen to someone like Biggie and it can happen to anyone and we've seen it happen so many people um, over the most minute things. I mean, the most recent one is the young man had air fresheners obstructing his mirror and uh, he was pulled over and they killed him for that. So it's right, definitely so, something that's important to address and the kind of cover-ups that go on. Right. Can't, can't you go into a store and buy Skittles, you know? Right. 
Exactly. It's like th these things are there. It's interesting because I was looking at the recent cut of the movie um, and I, I'm very proud right now. We're number one on the digital platforms. And, you know, so I guess people are maybe slowly starting to pay attention, but we'll see. Um, and I, I, that, that's something that's meaningful. But um, I, again, it's bigger than just the number one is like, okay, maybe people are paying attention, not like, oh, there's like this ego stroke that it's, it's really, it's, it's trying to get the movie out there because I think it's important. But in the beginning of the film, this is interesting. Um, and it's, it's a little bit lost in the mix because you're, you're coming into the movie blind. But I pulled the audio, the actual audio from Biggie's funeral. And it talks about how the crowds got a little unruly. Again, this is the news reporter's perspective. And they, they maced the crowd and the, the police were really aggressive. Um, and what's astonishing to me when I was looking at the film again, so I laid the audio over and it's coming in through the radio of Frank Liga as he's sitting there. And when they start talking about the funeral a little mm -hmm. further, he switches the radio to this rock channel. And then Kevin Gaines drives up Bump and Snoop. Um, but my point in bringing it up is <laughs> I was, I really just make these movies from my gut. Like I, mm -hmm. I, I've learned in life when I follow my gut, I land on my feet. When I don't, I land upside down. And mm -hmm. there was a lot of guttural choices. Like, okay, I want to base the movie in reality. What day is this, that this happened? Um, and, and how the events of the funeral of Biggie coincided with the events of the shooting of Liga Gaines. So I was able to put that on the radio. But when you really listen to that opening audio, it talks about the relationship between the funeral goers and the aggressive nature of the police and the police brutality that was going on on that day on Biggie's funeral, which when you just stop to think about that, it's just insane. Right, right. This is, this is people in the streets trying to honor this man and police are using aggressive force against them. Like what? <laughs> like it's all so oddly. I mean that you know it, it's just that really. It's weird. I made the movie and I heard that recently, and I went, "Wow, I forgot that's like even in there." Like I wasn't even consciously doing that. That was the actual news reporting of the day. So, mm -hmm. so it's just all of this stuff is astonishing, and we mm -hmm. have to hold ourselves to a high standard, a higher standard. It's just it's a requirement, right? It definitely is. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you so much. This was great. Um, I really enjoyed talking to you and I, I enjoyed this movie so much. And I do think that it's um, something that the people should see and, and will enjoy once they see it and, and hopefully ask more questions and learn more about it as well. I, I, I really appreciate your time. And I think what you just said is actually incredibly astute um, is to ask more questions. It's, it's in the film. Um, it speaks specifically to the event of the conversation between uh, Jackson and Russ Poole. But really, this is what we all have to do is, is ask more questions and not allow these things not to be sort of, you know, standard and, and accept things at face value, but to really engage and ask more questions. So I appreciate your time, man. It's such a pleasure to meet you. You too. Yes. And thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care.